What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. In the second half of the season, James Conner was the number two running back on a per-game basis in fantasy. Keenan Allen was a top five wide receiver per game. Justin Fields was awesome, as we know. Uh, what are we buying? What are we selling? We know James Conner and Keenan Allen are not being drafted as of right now. They're not going to be drafted, uh, you know, the way they finish. So we'll talk about those best second half performers with a twist. With a twist, which I'll explain a little bit later. Welcome back from an awesome, hopefully awesome three-day weekend. I'm Adam Azer with Jamie Eisenberg and Heath Cummings. Heath, how awesome was your three-day weekend? It was pretty awesome. Pretty fantastic. Did really, really great. Did you coach basketball? Did you win? I did not coach any basketball. I had the weekend off playing this weekend. Okay, great. Jamie, same question to you. I did not coach any basketball. Coached a lot of baseball. Uh, It was a great weekend. Thank you. How was yours? I think it was good. <laughs> I think it was fine. I don't remember. I like. I have this void in my life. There's no football, and there was no basketball other than the All Star game. Well, there was football. No, I didn't watch it. Did you watch it? Uh, no, I watched. Uh, I watched a little bit of the All Star stuff, basketball stuff. Great, oh, great All Star weekend. The dunk contest, dude. What was his name? McGlung or something? McClung. Oh my god, he was incredible. Superstar. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, yes. wait. I have. Uh, a couple of movies to recommend. I did watch some movies. I filled the football void with movies. Uh, Where the Crawdads Sing on Netflix. Yep, that's a good one. You saw it? Oh, wasn't that great? That's a good one. That was great. And <laughs> I didn't realize they made two Predator movies. So I watched uh, The Predator, which came out in 2018. It's pretty good. And then I started watching Prey. I uh, didn't finish it, so I can't recommend that one yet. But The Predators was surprisingly good. It was, it was good. Okay, guys. Uh, before we get to the uh, the best performers from the second half, let's talk about the coaching news from the weekend. Jamie, what was the biggest coaching news? So we have coordinator hires 
in certain in different spots in Arizona and in Carolina and in Indianapolis. I think I'm forgetting one. What was the uh, the biggest news coaching wise from the weekend, if there was any? I guess it would have to be Eric Bieniemy, you know, leaving the Chiefs and going to Washington. Oh, that was the one I forgot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, just to see what he can do on his own, essentially. Um, you know, leaving the uh, the friendly confines of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey and going to the situation in Washington. Um, I hope he I hope he succeeds. I hope he does well. I'd be a little bit nervous, but you know, I, I think there's you know I, I see why he's doing it. You know, trying to uh, separate himself from from the chief situation and try and uh, establish his own identity and hopefully get a head coaching job someday. Well. You don't always hear a player speak negatively about a guy who just got hired. LaShawn McCoy, though, played for Eric Bieniemy briefly and did not was not praising the hire, Chief. Uh, Heath, excuse me. Actually, someone in our comments uh, called you Chief Cummings. Should we just should we do that? Are you that, that was one of my <laughs> nicknames in high school. Because you were a Chiefs fan? No, no. Everybody there was a Chiefs fan. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm a lot of Browns fans in Missouri. <laughs> um, yeah, what did you make of that? Sean McCoy kind of trashing Eric Bieniemy. Um, I don't. He didn't have a great ending to his time in Kansas City. He didn't have a great time while he was here, I don't think. Um, I I don't make much of it. Here. Here. Wow. Chief Cummings. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I I didn't make much of that. Like I think it is going to be really interesting. It I, it kind of stinks, obviously, for Bienemy that you're the offensive coordinator of the best offensive team in football for five years and go to three Super Bowls, and now you have to go to the Commanders and prove that you're good. Right, with potentially new ownership soon and a coaching staff that could be out. So it's kind of an interesting uh, interesting development there. Are you guys Mac users or PC users? Mac. Okay, both. So I uh, I have a Word document with all my notes. And it somehow moved over to another screen. You know how you have like different, uh-huh. mod- yeah. And I can't get it back, so <laughs> I don't know how to fix that. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm struggling here with the rest of my notes. Okay, so let me see if I can do them from memory. Um, let's talk about the Packers. Did you email it to us? Oh yeah, that's right. I can do that. Uh, the Packers. Aaron Jones. Damn it. Um, Aaron Jones restructured his contract. And it seems like Aaron Rodgers, the, the reports seem to indicate that the that he's going to be traded. Uh, one reporter saying, "Is he still in the dark?" I don't think so. I think that's over. Well, no, he hadn't. Last week they were reporting he was coming, going into the dark, and then he went on one of the shows that he goes on every week, and and I think basically said he and Rappaport doesn't know anything, right? And he was not in the dark, so I don't know if he's currently in the dark or if he's not gone in the dark yet. <laughs> I just want to make it clear that I do not know what Aaron Rodgers is doing, so he won't say that I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, Okay, fair enough. But anyway, um, yeah, Jamie, what do you make of Aaron Jones restructuring his contract to stay with the team? He was, I think, running back 11 per game in PPR last year, and an interesting year for him. I I think, you know, if you just read everything that, you know, came out of that is, you know, he wanted to be there, they wanted him there, and if they're going to move on from Aaron Rodgers— and have a run-based offense, which seems to make the most sense if they're going to go to Jordan Love, then leaving him in the at least 1A role makes uh, you know a lot of sense. So um, the contract that he signed, uh, the deal that he got at least for one year, is very on par with what the franchise tag deal is. So you know, I, I think you know for what he's been able to produce and what hopefully he still will produce, which is clearly more important, um, 
seems like everything worked out according to uh, what he was was happy with and what the team was happy with. So, for, you know, fantasy-wise, I think you're looking at a guy that's going to be drafted somewhere in the late round two or early round three range would be my guess, depending how, you know, running backs get pushed up, mo- most likely round three for me, um, and, and still someone that could produce at a very high level depending on who the quarterback is. Yeah, I think um, this may not be the last one of these also. Um, there's just there's so many cheap running backs that are going to be available in free agency, and then we've got a dozen coming in the NFL draft. Um, Joe Mixon and Dalvin Cook are probably going to have to pay, take a pay cut as well if they want to stay on their current teams. Uh, how about Green Bay carries inside the five-yard line last year? A.J. Dillon had 10. Aaron Jones had two. Something to keep an eye on, monitor. It's amazing that that's true. And Aaron Jones was still so so much better than A.J. Dillon was in fantasy. Um, yeah, A.J. Dillon really struggled. But Dillon had seven. They had the same amount of touchdowns. And Jones had 31 more catches and a lot more total yards. Uh, all right. So Derek Carr's brother, David Carr, former quarterback, said this to uh, NFL Total Access. He, he will said, not be going to the Texans. <laughs> it's been a tough scenario. I think the biggest thing for Derek is why it didn't work out with the Las Vegas Raiders. He was excited at the beginning with Josh McDaniels, but there was just a difference of opinion as far as how to run offensive football and how to play offensive football. When you're a veteran quarterback, you've got veteran guys. They want some control at the line of scrimmage. They want to be able to utilize their superpower. He wants to get to the line, decipher what the defense is doing, get in an appropriate play, and that skill wasn't utilized in Las Vegas under Josh McDaniels, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But Heath, you know, it was a pretty bad year for Carr statistically, and you know, maybe this, maybe it just wasn't a good fit. But apparently, I guess he just wasn't really able to do that much at the line of scrimmage. So you think that maybe helps explain the struggles? Yeah, I mean, I and I was go- trying to hope you would talk for a little bit longer so I could look. Um, like it was a little bit worse than what he's been through most of his career, but I, I just don't think like going to a place without Devontae Adams and maybe a little more control at the line of scrimmage is not going to make a huge difference. I just think he's a, he's a number two quarterback for fantasy purposes. Um, yeah. Okay. Works for me. He's what he is. Alvin Kamara was among four people indicted by a grand jury on charges of conspiracy to commit battery and battery resulting in substantial bodily harm. Do we have any fantasy takeaways from this of Alvin Kamara being indicted or should we just wait and see? I mean, obviously, I think wait and see, but, you know, clearly he's a sell in Dynasty if anybody's buying. You know, he's, he's certainly not somebody you should be um, overly excited about based on this potential suspension that's going to happen because now, you know, the fact that there is an indictment, from what I understand, you know, now he's, he's subject to Roger Goodell's, you know, punishment. So we'll see what, uh, what happens, but I, I would expect you know, depending on how this all gets resolved, that he's going to miss some time in 2023, whether it's, you know, two games, four games, who knows. So, you know, at this point, you should be uh, concerned if you have a long-term investment in Alvin Kamara. The Giants signed wide receiver Isaiah Hodgins to a one-year deal. In the last five games of the regular season, he averaged 50 yards per game. He caught four touchdowns, and he caught 76% of his targets. Hodgins had a big game against the Vikings in the postseason, 105 yards and a touchdown on nine targets. And then, like everyone else in the Giants, it was terrible the following week. One catch for three yards on two targets. In a, uh, let's say, a 15-round draft where you're drafting a kicker, drafting a defense, so 13-round draft without those positions, does Isaiah Hodgins get drafted, guys? What else do they do? Fair enough. All right. Uh, he absolutely gets drafted, yes. Okay. 
And the Giants are likely to franchise tag Daniel Jones, according to one report. I'm not so sure about that, but it's certainly a possibility. Jones apparently wants close to $45 million a year. Uh, the franchise tag is much lower than that, but it's bad for the salary cap. Uh, franchise tags could start coming now, right? Is today the first day? Uh, today was the first day that players are eligible to be tagged. If I was the Giants, I would probably tag Saquon and work out a deal with Daniel Jones. But not at $45 million a year. <laughs> Well, I mean, when you think about what quarterback contracts are, yes, you're saving $13 million if you franchise tag Daniel Jones and, and you are able to you know, hopefully work out something long-term. But at the same time, if you get him for, let's say, a three-year $45 million a year deal now as opposed to franchise tagging him and he has another huge season, then you're paying him probably $60 million a year. Not 60. Uh. I don't like, think any with what contracts are going to be as the as the salary cap continues to. I just grow. think a, another huge season is a, a little bit right. He didn't have a huge season. Well, I mean, another season. playoff bound season where he plays better than he did when he actually has weapons. I, may, look, if they give him if they give him a franchise tag and they sign Saquon Barkley, how are they going to give him weapons? Right. I mean, they've got other players to to sign as yeah, well. It, the salary cap is not what matters. It's it's the cash. No, they have it it is what matters, especially when you use it the franchise tag, because the it franchise. Yes, it is because the no, franchise. Yeah, Jamie, yes, it is. How are they going to get him weapons if they use their the cap? Salary space? cap is not what matters. Well, you can do what the Saints do. Matters. You can do what the Saints have done, but the Saints are going to be terrible for the next five years because of that. But not when you use that. That's the thing about the franchise tag. Signing him to the one anyone to the franchise tag. Let's say it's a quarterback making, I think, $32 million on the franchise tag. Compared to signing him to a multi-year deal at $45 million, you can structure the multi-year deal differently so that you're actually saving money in the, in the first year and freeing up more cap space for this year. And then you can put void years at the end where he's not even playing and he counts against the cap, but it helps you in the short term. You use the franchise tag on a quarterback, it, it really hurts you in, from, in salary cap perspective. You cannot do anything with that. You can't defer it. You're paying all of that in year one. So anyway, um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why I would pay Daniel Jones and franchise tag Saquon. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Um, what else we got here? Uh, Kansas City expected a franchise tag. Orlando Brown, their left tackle. That would be for the second straight year. The Saints, according to Sports Illustrated's Albert Breer, they are interested in Baker Mayfield. The Eagles are looking to sign Jalen Hurts to an extension as soon as possible. All right. Then we get to the the hiring. So Washington hires Eric Bieniemy. Uh, Arizona hires Drew Petzing, who was the quarterback's coach and previously the tight ends coach for Cleveland. I, I do not like this, what's happening in Arizona, for especially for Kyler. Like, defensive coach, first-time offensive coordinator, maybe losing DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. Not, and, and maybe hurt for the first month of the season. Uh, the Panthers hired... Uh, Carolina, or uh, sorry, the Panthers hired Rams assistant head coach slash tight ends coach Thomas Brown, former running back, as their offensive coordinator. The Colts hired Jim Bob Cooter, a familiar name, but he will not call the plays. Uh, Shane Steichen will call the plays. And I think that's it for the offensive coordinator stuff. So you have Biennemi going to Washington. You have a guy from Cleveland, Drew Petzing, going to Arizona. You have Thomas Brown coming over from the Rams, going to the Panthers as their offensive coordinator. And you have the Colts hiring uh, Jim Bob Cooter, who has three years of coordinator experience but will not call the plays. I don't know. It's not one of those things where it's like, oh, okay, well, they hired Cliff Kingsbury. Here's all of his tendencies, and he's going to – you know what I mean? So, Why well, the first one is? Which one? The enemy. Not really because he didn't call the plays. He called some of the plays. 
Right, but it was still Andy Reid's There's offense. no tendencies to take. <laughs> there really is. Okay. I, it's, just, it's just the same thing. It's like, there's nothing that happened with the Chiefs was Eric Bieniemy, So we don't know anything about him because it was all... No, no, no. But I, I mean, I don't think he's going to have <laughs> ring around the posy and then they're throwing to an offensive tackle. I mean, it's, it's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you know... I don't know. Like, Doug Peterson's one of the most creative play callers in the NFL. He came from the Andy Reid tree. I don't I don't know why we wouldn't think that would transfer to Eric Bieniemy too. Um, that's fair. I, I just don't know. It, to me, it's, it's the Jimmys and Joes. It's not the X's and O's, you know? So <laughs> I think, you know, Andy Reid's been able to do it with multiple guys. I don't know how many other people have done that. Yeah. Chief Cummings there really sticking up. No, I'm not, I'm, I'm not talking about the guys who are currently on the Chiefs. I'm talking about the guy who gets absolutely zero credit for what he's done for five years. Once a Chief, always a Chief. <laughs> no, I'm not saying, McCoy too. I'm not saying yeah, you're wrong. Great. I'm not saying you're wrong because you're right about Peterson. You know, he he came, he did a great job. I mean, Matt Nagy just did the exact same thing that Brian Dable's done. We'll see if Dable follows it up better than Nagy did. I really would have to look into that comment, and I am not going to do that. We're going to take a break. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, there was one other thing. Uh, thank you to Zach Brook, our producer today, filling in for Thomas Schaefer's on a little vacation. Uh, Graham Gano, Giants kicker, he tweeted this. I'm just going to say his wife is correct, by the way. He said, Graham Gano said, My wife thinks I'm crazy because when I eat a bag of chips, I crush them all up and pour them into my mouth instead of pulling them out one by one. I can't be the only one that does this, right? I've never heard of that. I don't hate it, though. I hate it. I think you're losing so much of the chip experience like that. <laughs> like, I know that crushed up chips on a burger are good. I don't know, man. I, I uh, Yeah, I, I'm completely against it. I'm trying to I'm find gonna try the, it. The, you're going to try it? Okay. I'm sure it tastes good, but I just... You're losing the crunch. Like there's an experience of eating the chip that you don't get there. Jamie, what do you think? Is the goal to have the experience of eating the chip, or just eat the chip? <laughs> Both. I mean, you want the, you want everything. You want all the. Yeah, I don't know. I'm with uh, the, the, Adam the advantage I can think of is if you did that, <laughs> the, the crunching of the bag in a different room. Because my wife, like, she doesn't enjoy it when I eat chips in the living room if she's not eating chips. It's kind of annoying to hear somebody else eat chips. Yeah, crush them all up beforehand, and then just ha- it had that experience. It'd be better for the people in the room with you. I guess it also would make me less likely to ask for chips. You know, <laughs> you don't have to share. Yeah, yeah. Nobody. I'm not gonna be. Hey, can I have one of those? <laughs> can I have a cup full of those? Uh, that's not gonna happen. All right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the best second half performances from the 2022 season. Uh, right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, so we I gave you guys five second-half performances. Heath has an extra four that we'll do later. And what I want you to do is I want you to rank these performances. Oh, did you want them from us? No, that's okay. Heath, Heath in a separate email, I have sent, one. Send some. All right, then we'll put that on the on the Heath list. What's yours? Tyler Algier. Do you know what he was? Like he was. Uh, the last six games of the season, he led the NFL in rushing. Okay, I'll look up where he finished in fantasy. Uh, all right, so that'll be that'll be another five. So I gave you five, and they were Justin Fields. By the way, when I say second half, it's weeks uh, ten through eighteen. Justin. No, Fields? I didn't give you Tyler Algier, and what? what I thought you said with the twist. Because we're doing sophomore running backs at the end of the week. Ah, that's true. No, that's okay. I, you were not required uh, to do anything. Heath did extra credit. So, um, <laughs> anyway, uh, Justin Fields was QB5 per game from weeks 10 through 18. If you go back a few weeks before that, I think he was QB3 per game. But I just specifically looked at weeks 10 through 18. Tony Pollard was RB5 per game. James Conner was RB2 per game. Keenan Allen was wide receiver 5 per game. And Christian Watson was wide receiver 9. So we have one quarterback, Justin Fields at QB5, Tony Pollard, RB5, James Conner, RB2, Keenan Allen, wide receiver 5 per game, Christian Watson, wide receiver 9 per game. It's great that all of these guys have the exact same situations next year that they're coming off of this year. Nothing's going to change for any of these guys. <laughs> um, all right, so why don't we approach it as, you know, Justin Fields is Justin Fields, right? Like nothing. I, he might, things might change for him, but let's assume he's going to be the starting quarterback. Uh, Tony Pollard will be back with the Cowboys. James Conner will be back with the Cardinals. He's still under contract with them, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, let's say Keenan Allen's back with the Chargers, and then Christian Watson is back, but we'll assume different quarterback at this point. So what I want so you to— he's the only one that's different? Um, As opposed to the well, free agent, the guy who might get traded, <laughs> and the guy who might get cut. Look, I can only do so much with what I have here, right? Yeah, so, I know. I know. Um, what I want you to do is I want you to rank them one through five on what you think is the most believable for next year. Or maybe the most sustainable. Well, if we're playing make-believe, is Ezekiel Elliott back with the Cowboys? I yes. think you're going to have to use your... Uh, all right. Oh, I think... <laughs> all right. Yes, say yes. Let's say I yes. I think Connor and Zeke are in similar contract situations. It would almost... Like, those guys are all as expensive to cut right now as they are to to keep. I could, I could see a situation where the Cardinals keep Connor just, you know, based on maybe no Kyler to start the season... As you alluded to, defensive coach, new coordinator, maybe try and just keep the backfield somewhat similar, knowing that he might be done in a year from now. And it's not like they have an heir apparent on the roster. All right, so it's fu- now, feel- obviously the, the Cowboys don't technically either, but you know the situation with Pollard. Hey, I'll keep it. I'll keep it simple, right? It's Fields as a top five quarterback, Pollard and Connor as top five running backs, Keenan Allen as a top five wide receiver, Christian Watson as a top ten wide receiver. He's obviously getting drafted last. Watson. Yeah. Oh, no, I guess maybe Fields would be if you're doing a, a one-quarterback fantasy league. So for me, I would go Pollard, Allen, Watson, Connor, Fields. Okay, Pollard top five would be your most realistic. Allen top five, Watson top ten. That's Christian Watson. James Connor top five, Justin Fields top five. Heath, what would your order be? Uh, I think I have Jamie's last as my first. <laughs> I thought uh, so I think, too. Yeah, I think Fields top five is my uh, is my most believable. Then. Oh, I'm sorry, most believable. I thought you were like who we're drafting. No, no. What's the most believable? 
oh, of these oh, finishes. Okay. Um, yeah, I agree with Heath. Fields, Fields is the most blue. Okay. And I think Pollard's still second. Um, I think Connor is last. And I will go Watson what? Top what? Ten. And Allen what? Top five. I don't believe either one of those at all. <laughs> not even kind of. Um, I'm not going to make Connor last anymore. I'll go Fields, Pollard, Connor, Allen, Watson. I'll go Fields, Pollard, Allen, Watson, Connor. Okay, so why James Connor third for Heath, last for Jamie? Jamie, why last for you? He's not exactly old. I think he's going to be 28. That's old. Well, okay, but we're drafting Austin Eckler and Derek Henry in the first two rounds. They're both either the same age or older. Um, and, you know, he, he just had so many touches, and he's the only guy there right now, uh, only guy worth mentioning, basically. So why is Connor, Jamie, the least believable for you? Age, situation, I feel like the Cardinals could be an absolute poop show, you know, just based on everything that they're, they're going through. You know, total regime change, quarterback coming off ACL, you know, losing their star receiver, you know, everything sort of Heath alluded to earlier. And I just don't buy him doing this again at this age. You know, so uh, could he still be a top 10 guy in this situation? Yeah, maybe. You know, I'd probably say if, if, if I'm looking at a ceiling for him, it's probably more like top 15. So I don't see this being sustainable for him at this age. And the situation. Yeah, and I think, like, the, there's obviously an enormous difference between Austin Eckler, Derrick Henry, and James Conner in that, like, he did it in the second half. But one of the reasons he's highlighted as a second half guy is because he was so bad in the first half of the season. Um, he was, yeah. Like this, this was like a seven-game stretch we're talking about where he was awesome. But the first half of the season was miserable, and he's 28 and on maybe a terrible offense. But Okay, but here's the difference between the first half and the second half. First of all, the first five games of the season, James Conner left two of them with an injury. Secondly, he was platooning. In the second half of the season, he played, in almost every game, he played 95% or more of the snaps. So he was, I'm not saying he, he wasn't like great or anything, um, although he you know performed pretty well, but he just got so many touches and so many catches. So if they use him as a three down back again, you know, he, why not? Why not? I don't know about top five, but yeah, why not top five? I and mean, since I did phrase it that way, I this is a good time. I think I'm I'm really strongly considering becoming an ageist this year. <laughs> I think this okay. is the year that we've got some old stars that are really going to fall hard. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, how about Keenan Allen? So he has been a top... Speaking of ages. <laughs> yeah, right. So he has been a top 13 wide receiver in PPR on a per-game basis six years in a row. Uh, he will be 31 next year. But he was terrific at age 30. He caught like 74% of his targets, which was nearly a career high. So that'll probably come down a little bit. But still, um, last eight games of the season, uh, he had 675 yards. He had 83 targets in eight games. So you're talking about a guy who, on a 17-game pace, was getting 10 targets per game, so over 170 targets. Anyway, why? You know, we've seen some great value, Jamie, on Keenan Allen in the early drafts that we've done. Uh, is age the only thing? And again, I know there's the trade rumor, but, or this cut rumor, but let's just say he's back. Is age the only thing keeping Keenan Allen from being a round two or three pick? I don't think you necessarily need to attach age so much with guys that play in the slot if you think about it, how that typically has played itself out because 
you know, you look at it and some of it was guys transitioning to different spots from being a primary outside receiver to a slot receiver. And a lot of it has been tied honestly to the ones that have been successful to Bruce Arians, but Heinz Ward in Pittsburgh, Larry Fitzgerald in Arizona, Reggie Wayne in Indianapolis. Um, obviously, you look at the guys in New England and how they played yes. in the early 30s and Julian Edelman and oh, Wes Walker. Thank you for bringing that up. Edelman averaged 70 yards per game at age 32 and age 33. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's you know it's it's typically the outside guys that fall off a cliff. And so Keenan Allen, I think, can maybe do this for another year or two. You know, I don't think he's going to do it. You know, into his mid to late 30s, but. Um, obviously, as as we're seeing, you know, as, as as evolution is changing, you know, guys are playing at high level a little bit longer at different sports. Um, but I, I think for what his game is, um, in in the right situation, certainly with a quarterback like Justin Herbert, and now with a hopeful better better system from Kellen Moore, uh, I think he can still be at, at a play at a very high level. And I think even if he goes to a different team that has a you know good enough quarterback and certainly good enough system, and he stays in that spot. Um, he could still be at, playing at a very high level. So he, he's a great route runner. He gets open space uh, in, li- in limited space. And, you know, right quarterback, you know, being on the same page, great rapport, I think that can, you know, still be very sustainable. Yeah, I think, like, there's a couple other yellow flags, not red flags, because he has been awesome. I agree with most of what Jamie said. I think, like, the touchdowns are obviously of concern. He scored more than six touchdowns once in the last nine years. It's hard to be a top-five wide receiver with six or seven touchdowns even. Um, and then – I. I'll be very interested to see how the ball gets distributed with Kellen Moore calling plays and Mike McCarthy not there. Because before last year, there was not a guy who was getting 150 targets in Dallas. Allen has thrived on volume, but not on efficiency. He's he's needed that hundred, that nine, nine and a half targets per game to be a top 12 wide receiver. I don't know that he's going to get that now. Yeah, this is Keenan Allen we're talking about. It's more of a PPR. It's obviously only a PPR argument, and I'm not really arguing for him to be a top five wide receiver, but I'm just saying that he, you know, you look at his overall numbers, week one and week seven, he barely played. He played a third of the snap in both of those games. So, you know, I, of course, am going to remove them. And in the last eight games that he played, he he was the number five wide receiver per game. Uh, Mike Williams did miss most of that time. There were four games where they both played, both were healthy, and Keenan Allen still had huge numbers. And uh, actually, in those four games, Justin Herbert only averaged 38 pass attempts per game, which is a lot, but it's not, you know, it's not as the what the heights we usually see from Herbert. But anyway, I, that's yeah. another thing that I think there's a good chance we don't see as many pass attempts from Herbert this year. Yeah, right. I would suspect, but how many did he average? I mean, he had had to have averaged more than 38 per game, right? Probably. Yeah. All right, uh, I don't know if there's anyone else we want to highlight here. Justin Fields as a top-five quarterback is is pretty feasible. He's going to be ranked close to that. Tony Pollard, like Tony Pollard in the two games he played without Zeke, which is ridiculous. And then the fact that he was top-five per game in that stretch where he actually had fewer carries than Ezekiel Elliott, Heath. So, you know, what does that mean? Like, they were a pretty run-heavy team, and they were very effective, and Pollard just obviously has been an awesome running back. Uh, in his yeah, career. I still think it's probably going to be close to a 50-50 split in terms of carries with him and Zeke. Um, and I, I just looked. I think it's $11 million dead money they've got if they cut Zeke. So I, I really like – maybe they'll do that. That doesn't sound like Jerry Jones. Um, so I think he's going to have to be wildly efficient. He probably will be. It'd help him if there were a few more targets available for him. And he was really, really good in the passing game, so there might be that too. He could be – he could be have a, an Austin Eckler or Alvin Kamara type top five season, and it wouldn't be that surprising. Jamie, 50-50 split. What do you think about that projection from Heath between Pollard and Zeke? Just rushing, not passing. 
it wouldn't surprise me just knowing how much they still want to feature Ezekiel Elliott to whatever reason they want to do it. You know, uh, whatever he has on Jerry Jones, kudos to him. Um, I, I, I don't know why they would. Uh, I, I, I think, you know, whenever you watch them over the last two years, they're clearly a much better offense when Tony Pollard is getting more opportunities. Um, as we've alluded to quite a bit, you know, and, and I'll go back to a conversation we had with um, our guy, Tom Spencer, who's in the booth with Jim Nance and, and Tony Romo when they had the Cowboys early in the season, you know, and at that point he was being used a lot more as a receiver than he was just a rusher. And they were saying, you know, and, and, and the reports came out a few weeks after that about how they don't want to overuse Tony Pollard. So, you know, whatever they have concerns about and Granty's coming off a pretty significant injury, you know, how much do they want to, you know, run him into the ground per se? And so I, I could see, yes, on rushing down to 50-50 split, I'd probably say it's more 60-40 if they're going to commit to signing him to whatever they do, franchise tag or deal. Um, so, you know, I, I think Pollard returning to Dallas puts him in a pretty good spot for fantasy managers. Man, and, and even if he plays if he plays three games without Ezekiel Elliott, you know, gosh, those could be just such huge games for him. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting because I was going to look. Eckler's never had more than 206 carries in a season. Um Kamara was like 190-ish for four years and the most efficient running back in football. Then two years ago, they gave him 240, basically 18 carries a game. And that was the point to where he had the major drop-off in terms of efficiency and production. I think it's a really interesting point because Pollard, you know, you're thinking about him as he's like a five-plus yard per carry guy, one of the best in the NFL. But that, that did not hold up over the last uh, the second half of the season. I won't get into all the numbers, but he was... I think he's more like four and a half yards per carry in his last eight games, but it was even worse if you... Wow, he sucks. Week 16, nine carries for 19 yards. Week 18, seven carries for 19 yards. So there there was some more struggle. Like 10 carries for 42 yards and a touchdown against the Texans. That's really bad for most running backs. So those were all later in the season. It is possible that he got worn down. I think if you look at the last four regular season games, he was probably well under four yards per carry. Uh, okay, so... Let's go to the other list. Uh, last question. I'll just wrap it up here. If if Jordan Love is the quarterback, uh, Christian Watson would be a top blank wide receiver in your rankings. 30? If I'm sorry, Jordan Love's quarterback? Yeah. Uh, 22, 23. Oh, okay. All right, let's go to the list of Heath and, and then one from Jamie. So Heath says in the last half of the season, these are the things that stood out to him. Daniel Jones was QB7 per game. Ding, 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 ding. Jerry Judy was wide receiver 12 per game. Evan Ingram was tight end 3. Dawson Knox was tight end 8. All per game. Sorry. And Jamie added Tyler Algier, and I'll just have to, in the last four weeks of the season, he really got going. He was the number 5 running back overall, number 9 per game. So Daniel Jones as QB7. Jerry Judy, top 12. Uh, Evan Ingram top th- tight end three, Dawson Knox tight end eight, Tyler Algier top ten. Let's do the same exercise here. Rank them most believable going into next season. Knox, Judy, Dawson Knox tight end eight, Jerry Judy wide receiver twelve. Knox, Judy, um. <laughs> Algier and Jones are fourth and fifth. I forgot the third one. Evan Ingram tight end three. 
Uh, Algier Ingram Jones. Oh, man. You put Daniel Jones behind. Daniel Jones QB7 is less believable than Evan Ingram as tight end three. All right. So that's Algier top 10. Jamie, how would you rank them? Uh, Judy one. As wide receiver 12. Jones two. Ooh, okay. Ingram three. Ooh, okay. Knox four. Algier five. Austin Knox. Okay. So just in case anyone is confused, Daniel Jones was QB7 per game. Jerry Judy was wide receiver 12. Evan Ingram was top three. Dawson Knox was tight end eight. And Tyler Algier was RB9 per game in the last stretch of the season. Uh, Heath says Dawson Knox being tight end eight is the most believable. I agree. I just, you know, like it won't be a glamorous season at all. He'll be on the waiver wire, but he'll be tight end eight. (laughs) But you both had Jerry Judy very high. Jamie had Judy wide receiver 12, that as the most believable one. Heath, you had that as the second most believable one. Uh, you disagreed pretty strongly on Daniel Jones, so why don't we start there? Daniel Jones is QB7. Jamie had that as the second most believable. Heath had that last of the five. So, Jamie, go ahead and, and say why you why you could believe that more so than Heath, uh, Daniel Jones being QB7 per game. I mean, he's in rarefied air with 3,000 passing yards and 700 700 plus rushing yards that doesn't happen very often and so he did that with Isaiah Hodgins Sterling Shepard Wandell Robinson the corpse of Kenny Galladay and Richie James you know so I would hope that there's some investment in some better weapons for Jones and second year in Brian Dable's system assuming that's where he stays so if he leaves then I wouldn't necessarily buy it unless he you know somehow miraculously ended up with the Chiefs um but (laughs) I think you know, just if he stays with the Giants, I, you know, I, I don't think 4,700 is, is necessarily a huge leap for him to get there with better passing weapons and running quarterbacks are, are hard to find at that level. So 4,000 um, yards and 700 rushing. Ooh, that'd be a lot. It's just don't you figure like if he's going to throw much more, if he's going to throw for 4,000, the rushing total will come down. That's kind of, I don't know how that gets uh, it back. Just, you know, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's, um, Based on how he plays and, and how this system has allowed the last two quarterbacks that Brian Dables had his hands on, one is a superstar, one is you know certainly a player on the rise, Josh Allen and, and Daniel Jones. Um, there, there's the potential still to run and and still be a successful passer. You know, d- d- you know if it's four thousand and six hundred, <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to be upset about that. You know, if he gets to that level, so um, I, I think clearly a lot of these are stretches to begin with. But you know, if Daniel Jones has another season where he's using his legs and gets better weapons. I, I would not be surprised if he's in the top 10 of fantasy quarterbacks. Yeah, Heath? Yeah, I think that, I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that the fewest pass attempts per game for Daniel Jones is also his best fantasy finish. Um, I don't necessarily know how much getting weapons is going to help him because if he throws more and runs less, I think that'll probably be worse for his fantasy production. Um, a big part of the difference between him last year and years past was he had seven r- rushing touchdowns. I think he had two was his max in a year before. Yeah. Um, he has one season with more than 15 passing touchdowns. I just think. It's also his first season with a real coach, though. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to buy the player or, or not. People are going to just, some are going to buy the player and some are not, I think. Definitely, so, like Jamie buys the player more than Heath does. I don't necessarily buy the player. I buy I buy the circumstances, you know, and, and look, it's not... I'm not buying him as a top seven quarterback. I'm certainly not drafting him that way. But I, I think just in terms of, you know, what what he 
is able to do based on his skill set and and again what Brian Dable has allowed his quarterbacks to do. So that how many rushing touchdowns they had last year? Seven. Seven. So in Brian Dable's last how many years calling plays, the quarterback true. has run for how many touchdowns? <laughs> it's true. It's a good point. It's always around that number. Yeah. I, I think that he didn't like, call plays. For the record, he did not call plays. That is uh, uh Mike Kafka calls plays. His system. Yeah. His no, system. you're right, but I just whatever. Uh go ahead, Heath. No, I just think that he what we saw last year was kind of the ceiling outcome for the Giants and for Daniel Jones, and they're both going to be worse next year. Very well could be the case. If they have the same personnel, if they can find a way to get a, a playmaking wide receiver, maybe Kadarius Toney, uh, <laughs> that that could change things. I just sit here. I just don't know how it's going to happen unless they use the first pick in the draft well, you or need, a trade. You need Wandale Robinson to turn into that guy. Yeah, I don't know. Coming off a torn ACL, and I don't know if he is that. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. But I, I think you're. I, I think that they opened up the offense a lot late in the season. Schneier talked about it a lot. They went from twelve personnel to three receiver personnel. Or they went to three receiver personnel a lot at the end of the year. They want to throw the ball. They want to be a passing offense. So I don't think we've seen the ceiling of their offense. I just think they need more talent somehow. And you know he, we're going to have to reevaluate when if they do acquire that talent. Jerry Judy though, you guys seem to agree on uh, has. I don't know. Would you say? Decent chance of being a top 12 wide receiver? To me, that's of, of all the players that we've discussed, maybe outside of Justin Fields, it, it feels like that's not a huge stretch for him because, you know, we saw it with, for whatever Russell Wilson was last year, certainly one of the best, if not the best quarterbacks he's played with, um, obviously from a, from a resume standpoint. But I think even as poor as Russell Wilson played, that's still better than some of the Trevor Simeons of the world that, you know, Jerry Judy was stuck with previously. Um, I, I think better coach, better system. The pedigree is clearly there of a first-round you know, pick in the NFL draft and, and what he was able to show in college. He's an incredible route runner. And so you know, I, I think if Russ is, is close to being you know, his pre, prior 2022 form, then Jerry Judy could be an absolute star. So, yeah, I think top 12 is well within the realm of possibility for him. Yeah, and that, that great finish where he was top 12 in the second half included one game – without Russ and one game where he was um he only played 38% of the snaps. We could throw that one out. I would, yeah. I would, I would throw Zia. Uh yeah, his, he was very good. It took about 5 weeks for him to really become the number 1 wide receiver cuz Cortland Sutton was that guy early, but that ended fairly quickly. Jerry Judy, pretty good year. 972 yards and six touchdowns in 15 games and he had three games. Well, he had a game where he played 1% of the snaps, 14% of the snaps, 38% of the snaps, so you want the Azer stats. Here's the 17-game pace for Judy if you remove all three of those games. 88 catches, 1,269 yards, nine touchdowns on a per-game basis. Yeah, I think it would have been about 15th, believe it or not. Um, I feel like 88 catches is not that many uh, in a 17-game season. But, no, but still, top 15, so very good. All right. Jamie, why did you put Tyler Algier last in the believability thing? Tyler Algier is a top 10 running back last. I, I like to see who the quarterback is, you know, once we get to the start of the season, you know, it could be Desmond Ritter, but I mean, look, he was great. You know, I, I, I think it's uh, hard though, as we've noted a lot and you certainly, you know, mentioned this all the time, Adam, you know, when you're not catching passes, it's difficult to be at that level. So um, is he going to be the, the full-time featured guy? We, you know, we saw, few of those games where Cordero Patterson still had, you know, pretty significant role. Um, 
And then, uh, you know, if, if he's not heavily involved in the passing game, then, you know, to be a top 10 guy is, is tough to manage, you know, unless you're scoring 15 plus touchdowns like Derrick Henry's done. So I think a top 20 caliber running back is certainly, you know, possible, you know, maybe top 15 if the touchdowns are there and they do increase his role in the passing game. But, you know, he's going to he's going to do a good job running the ball. I think he showed you the ability to do that. So hopefully that's something that that carries over to to his sophomore season. Yeah. Anything else, guys? I mean, in terms of Evan Ingram, yeah, he's a free agent. So is there a scenario where you could see ranking him in the top five? No. Um, it's hard to rank him ahead of clearly the top two. You know, so you're starting at three. I think Hawkinson's in a better spot. I think Goddard's in a better spot. Uh, I'd probably still take the chance on the upside of of Pitts and then, you know, Kittle and Waller. Okay. Well, that's I mean, it. You know, coming back to an offense that has, you know, Calvin Ridley now thrown into the mix. Right. All right, Heath. Any final thoughts? Words of wisdom? No, I was just trying to think of the place that would right. be best for Evan Ingram. I guess if they did not sign a wide receiver and they traded Keenan Allen and they signed Evan Ingram. Okay. Then right, I he'd have to be the number two Evan guy. Ingram's a top five tight end. Yeah, he had to be the number two guy somewhere. Or if he went to maybe, I don't know, the Giants. Giants could use a, a pass catcher. It'd be interesting. Daniel, We're all about Daniel Bellinger here. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, thank Travis you very much. said some nice things about Daniel Bellinger. Yeah, he's really he's a good player. He's just kind of he's basically a fullback. I don't know how great he's going to be for fantasy. So Travis Kelsey paving, paving ways for the seven hundred yard rusher. Travis Kelsey. <laughs> that better be Daniel Jones and not Saquon Barkley. Uh, I don't know how much I can trust Travis Kelsey after the nobody believed in us thing. Uh, whatever he was saying, like Yo. everybody does that. Ooh, All every, teams do that. No, I mean, okay. The Chiefs have no business doing that. They're the Kansas City Chiefs. Like you can never say he nobody. Could, you know, us. if he if he just said nobody thought we'd win the Super Bowl again, that's fine. If he, the yeah, whole, nobody, nobody thought we'd make the, the playoffs. Bowl. Is that what he said? Nobody thought we were going to make the playoffs. I was saying yeah. something crazy. It's like crushing a bag of chips. My, and my favorite it. thing, though, in response to that, because I'm a homer has been all of the Chiefs fans who have gone back and found the clips of people saying the Chiefs were going to miss the playoffs <laughs> and just making threads of them. Because there were lots and lots of people saying that. I think I said that. Oh, wow. You should, be, uh, you should have been on Old Takes Exposed, not me. That's it for our show. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk about sophomore running backs later this week. Tomorrow's topic is someone that I do not remember. Do you guys remember tomorrow's topic? Ten oh, oh, crazy stats. That 10 crazy stats from 2022 which I better start working on right now. For Heath and Jamie and our producer, Zach Brooke, I am Adam Azer. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.